Yeah. That was great. Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones, and we are so glad that you are here with us today. And as you saw this week, we are celebrating Independence Day. So if you have served or are currently serving, or if you are a family member of someone who has served or currently serving in our armed forces or in the Coast Guard, would you stand? Let's just celebrate you. And so come on, if you've been to services, thank you. Cool. Thank you very much. You can go ahead and be seated. Yeah, thank you guys so much for the sacrifices that you made, the sacrifices that you've made to pay for our freedoms and everything. And I just want to encourage you this week to go out on the 4th of July parade and support Surge and everything. So go on out there. And uh, if you're bald like Trent, you know, make sure that you take care of that problem or something like that, uh, because it's pretty hot out there as well. Well, today we are continuing in our message series in Romans in chapter four, or actually week four of the series as well. And if you have missed any of the previous messages, I highly encourage you to go to our website, theepicchurch.com, or to our podcast as well and catch up on any of the messages from there. And if you are a uh, checking out God or new to this whole Christianity thing, as we've said, this is a great series for you because you'll be able to see a snapshot of what the Christian life is supposed to be about. And if you are a Christ follower, then this series is great for you because it could significantly impact your relationship with God. Now today we're going to be looking at uh, the Apostle Paul and what he wrote in chapters 9 through 11. And today we're going to start out with something that tore him up, not like you know, yeah, that way, but something that tore his very heart. And so we're going to look at his very words. It's something that tore him up so much in his heart that he was willing to die for it. And so if you would listen to what he says in Romans nine, one through three, he says, with Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I will be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. Could you imagine ever saying those types of words? Here's the Apostle Paul who is so torn up about his fellow brothers and sisters who are Jewish that he is willing to exchange his life and be separated from God for all of eternity in order for them to be saved, you know? And Paul's just not saying these words. If he could, he would have done it because this is a guy who took on severe beatings. This is a guy who took uh, stonings. This is a guy who did eventually die for the faith to tell people about Christ. And the question that comes to my mind, and I don't know if this question comes to your mind as well, but the question that comes to my mind is, how does Paul or people like Paul get to that point? How do they get to that point where people are willing to exchange their lives for another person? Or let me say it this way, how would we get to that point where we are willing to sacrifice our lives for other people? Because it costs us everything, and it doesn't cost, um, I mean, it costs them everything, but it doesn't cost us anything at all. Now, I'm not an expert, okay? I've never served in the military, and some of my family members who served in the military, they didn't make that ultimate sacrifice at all. But there was someone who's very close to me that ended up going to Iraq after the Iraq invasion, and he ended up giving his life. Now, let me uh, share a little bit of his story. Um, his name was Jesse Strong, and he was one of the college students at the university that I worked for almost 12 years ago. And Jesse, he was a strong Christ follower, and he was one of my resident assistants who oversaw one of the dorms at our school. 
and he oversaw about 50 guys. And he was well-respected, and everyone loved this guy. I mean, he could just make you smile. He had an awesome smile. And so this guy, after his senior year, was called up in, with his Marine unit to go and serve in Iraq. And not too long after he served in Iraq, or as he was serving in Iraq, uh, he made sergeant like within a matter of months. And he was also named the honorary chaplain of his unit. And so his men respected him, and he did everything he could for them. And this was the type of guy who actually volunteered for dangerous missions. So when he found out that there was a mission that was dangerous coming up, he would just go ahead and volunteer as well. And so this guy, um, at one point, writes a letter to one of his dear friends. And he says, in that letter to his friend, he says, you know, I feel like I'm the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul, near the end of his life, knew that his life was about to be taken. And he says, I feel like the Apostle Paul, whose life is about to be taken. And so I'm doing all that I can to share with everyone about Jesus. And so Jesse ultimately paid that ultimate sacrifice in one of the missions that he volunteered for. Now, when I think about that, how does a guy like Jesse... You know, make a decision to volunteer for a dangerous mission. You know, how does a guy like Jesse make a decision to sacrifice his life for other people's lives? You know, and when I think about that, the best thought that I can think of is that people like that start to think less inwardly about themselves and think more outwardly about others. And I think at some point we start to think about other people and we be consumed with other people and we see them as our fellow brothers. And I think we see them as someone who, even though they're not in our family, we see them as a family member. And it becomes a duty. It becomes a responsibility. It becomes something that we're willing to do because we love them. Now, many of us, you know, in our day-to-day lives, you know, we don't put our lives in harm way at all. But could we, could we say the words that the Apostle Paul says, that he is willing to do anything for his people, that he would be willing to sacrifice his life and be separated from God for people who don't know anything about God or don't have a relationship with God? And so today, that's where we're heading. We're going to look at what would it take for us to get to that point And that's a very tough point. But today, that's where the Apostle Paul would like us to go. So let's examine that. So if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to pick up a Bible in the back and check this out. And so today, we're going to jump into Romans chapter 10, verse 1 on page 864 in your Bibles. Now, before we begin, let me kind of set up what's going on in these chapters, okay? At this point, Paul, the Apostle Paul, has started many different churches within the Roman Empire, and many Gentiles are coming to faith or putting their faith in Christ. And so a Gentile is anyone who is not Jewish. And there are some Jewish uh, people who are coming and becoming Christ followers, but there's not a lot of them that are becoming Christ followers and not as much as people would think. And so many of these new Gentile Christ followers are starting to wonder why are these Jewish people not putting their faith 
in Christ. And some of the Jewish Christians were also saying, why are the Jewish people not coming to Christ as well as much as these Gentiles are coming? And so all these churches, the normal pattern that they're starting to see is an overwhelming majority of the people who are coming to Christ and putting their faith in Christ are Gentile. And so Paul takes a time out in three chapters and from 9 to 11 to explain that God is still in control even though we don't understand what's going on. And in the section that we're going to look at, Paul pinpoints why the Jewish people are not putting their faith in Christ. And also we'll ultimately see why uh, Paul would be willing to sacrifice his life for his people as well. So let's begin and read what Paul wrote to them at that time, but also to us. In verse one, he says, dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. So here Paul starts this chapter. He started chapter nine like this, telling about his heartache. He's also starting chapter 10 like this as well. And he is torn up for his fellow Jewish uh, brothers and sisters. And he's seeing that his people are trying to live in their past glory days and that they're not currently following what God wants them to do at this moment. He knows their history. He knows how proud they are, are to, to be called God's chosen people. And if you don't know why they're called God's chosen people, see, God chose the Jewish people to be his people. The Jewish people were supposed to represent God and everyone was supposed to look at them and say and wonder, okay, you guys are different. You know, there's something about you. Who is the God that you serve? There's something that is very special in your relationship that you have with God. And we want to have that type of special relationship with God as well. And so in that moment, the the plan was that all the peoples of the earth would look to the Jewish nation, look to the Jews to be able to learn about God and eventually come into a relationship with God and have peace with God. But yet that didn't happen. And so the Jewish people, they got a little restless. And so they did the only thing that they could do. They began to focus on themselves. And see, during the time of Jesus and Paul as well, many of the Jews started to focus on what they could only focus on, and that was following the law. That was paying so much attention to the law because they were under the Roman Empire. They could not get away from the Roman Empire, so they focused on the law, but they missed out on something. They missed out on reaching out to other people as well. And so Paul explains this in verse three. He says, for they, the Jews, don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. Now realize here, okay, Paul is not picking on the Jews. He's Jewish himself. Uh, He, before becoming a Christ follower, was one of the top religious leaders of the day in the Jewish people. And so he tried to follow the law as perfectly as could, and he probably followed it better than most of the Jews as well. And if you remember, the, uh, the law of God is simply the Ten Commandments and the 622 other commandments contained within the Old Testament. And the Jews thought, if you could follow the law, then you might be able to have a right standing with God. But yet Paul knew you couldn't follow the law perfectly. That was impossible. And when he met Jesus, he found that out for himself. So he has a heartbeat. He has a burden for his people because they are now just paying attention to the law and forgetting about following God. And so he knows his people. 
He knows them so well. He knows what they're thinking because he's been there himself. And a question that I want you to think about as we're going through this message is, who are people that you know? Who are people that you know so well? You know, Are there people that you have uh, been in that place that you guys are cut from the same cloth? Are there people that God's asking you to reach out to and asking you to say, you know what, would you be willing to follow me? Would you be willing to maybe even exchange your life for their lives as well? Because that's the passion that Paul started to have for his people. And let's see how that kind of unfolds here as well. So Paul wants them to understand this. In verse four, he says, for Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. And as a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. So here's the good news. Here's the good news that Paul wants his Jewish brothers and sisters to understand. Everything that they did, all the religious laws that they tried to follow, all the ceremonies that they tried to follow, all the uh, priests that they tried to follow, all the services, all of the festivals, they all pointed towards Jesus. They all pointed towards Jesus. The point of them was to point to the Messiah, to point to Jesus, but yet they were so focused on following the law that they missed the mark. And they missed Jesus. And they missed reaching out to other people as well. And so sometimes we as churches can miss the mark as well. Sometimes we get so inwardly focused instead of reaching out to people, instead of we try to tell people to do right things or go and do this certain thing, instead of having an outward focus, instead of reaching out to our community. And so sometimes as churches, we get so inwardly focused instead of doing good in the community. And sometimes instead of you know, reaching out to people, we start to cater to people instead And so sometimes we can do the same thing. We can get inwardly focused instead of outwardly focused as well. And so how do we not miss the mark? How do we continue to focus outwardly and not inwardly? And that's what Paul wants us to understand. And so the key to that, the key to not getting so inwardly focused is actually in the message of the gospel. It's actually the message of Christ. Listen to this in verse 8. He says, in fact, it says, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. So Paul wants to paint a clear picture of what the gospel message is or what the message of Christ is. And here's what it is, plain and simple. Jesus came down from heaven, he died for our sins, and he was buried, and he came back to life. That's it. That's the gospel message. And all that anyone has to do then is simply believe. And when you believe, it's simply saying to God, saying to God, I recognize, it's praying to God, God, I recognize that your son came down, that he died for my sins, that he conquered death. Won't you save me? Won't you be my God? When we get to understand that that's what the message is and how much that means, that we are free from our debt of sin, when we get that in our minds, then it's easier to live outwardly. 
And it starts this process of us living outwardly. So when we get that message in our minds and in our hearts and we understand what God has done for us, then it's easier to start praying for people. It's easier to start praying for people that we know and building a relationship with them. Why wouldn't we want to be able to share with them the good news that we discovered? Why wouldn't we want them to know that Jesus exchanged his life for their lives as well? And simply, they have to just believe. That's it. So Paul's trying to make that dramatic point there. And so let's continue. Verse 13 kind of goes a little further with this. In verse 13, he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have not, never heard about him? And how can... Or, and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Now, here's the best part of God's plan, okay? God simply reaches out to people, and they start to see who he is, and they become Christ followers. And he takes that person and puts them right back into the game. He takes another person, puts them right back in the game, and back in the game, and back in the game. And you know what happens? I've found uh, many people who don't believe in God, and I've had this happen Someone has said to me that didn't believe in God at first, they're like, what is going on? You know, I'm just running into all these Christ followers. You know, you guys are like multiplying like, you know, dogs and cats or something like that. You know, what's going on? Every time I bump into these Christ followers, they're here, they're there, everywhere. Are you guys following me home? Some of you are thinking that we're taking like your license plate tags out there or something like that, you know, and studying you or something like that. That's not the case. That's God. Okay, he's just putting people in your life so that you realize at some point, oh my goodness, he cares about me that much. He loves me that much that he's been putting these people in our lives. And here's the deal, you know, you know people that only you know. I know people that I only know as well. And so God has placed you in the lives of your family members, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers that only you know. And God would have you to reach out to them as well, as someone reached out to us as well, as someone laid down their life for us, as someone sacrificed for us as well. That's what God is asking us to join him to do. And that's what Paul wants us to understand as well. And so he kind of concludes this section with a powerful and very insightful reason to why he is so willing to die for his people. And we need to learn from him because there's some things that are very interesting in this. In verse 15, he says, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Do you know why Paul was so passionate about being willing to sacrifice his life for the Jewish people and for anyone to tell them about Jesus? You know, it's because Paul was heading down the wrong way. Before he became a Christ follower, he was one of the top Jewish religious leaders of the day. He probably followed the law the best that anyone could ever follow. He thought he was following God, but yet he got to a point in his life where he started to participate and help murder Christ's followers. 
And so I don't think anyone at that point could have said anything to him to change his mind and to say, Paul, don't you think you're kind of doing something wrong here? You know? And I think it was only going to take a miracle of God for his life to be interrupted. And do you know who was the messenger that was sent to Paul? It was Jesus, after his death, came to Paul and interrupted his life. And Paul got his attention focused on Jesus. Now, here's the cool thing. In that moment, God could have been like, Paul, you're cursed. You know, Paul, you're dead. You know, Paul, you know, you're going to owe me for the rest of eternity or something like that. But here's what Jesus did. Jesus, when he confronted him, he said, Paul, your sins are forgiven. The blood on your hands that you have of innocent people, your sins are forgiven. That's what happened instead. That's why Paul was so willing to risk his life because he gained everything. He was so inwardly focused that he had legitimized murder in his head. He was so inwardly focused that he was not listening to what God was doing with these Gentile Christ followers. Paul was so inwardly focused that he missed the mark. And yet when he came face to face with his savior, he didn't get rejection. He didn't get smote out. Instead, Jesus offered him eternal life and for his sins to be forgiven. And listen to this. Jesus said this in John 15, 13. He says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And so here's what Jesus did. In this moment, that's what Jesus did. He showed Paul love. That's what Jesus has done for us. You know, there's many times, uh, or many times, many of us, you know, we walked around not looking for God. Many of us, we were looking for something bigger in life, and we got disappointed with the thing that we thought was going to be bigger in life. Many of us are very aware of the sin or the sin that was in our life, the debt that we carried, but we couldn't do anything about it. And so when we tried to find God, or we thought maybe God was talking to us, what we found instead is we finally found Jesus. Instead of being beaten over the head from him, we found that there's love and forgiveness, that he took our debt, that he laid down his life for us as well. That's the good news. And when we have that in our minds, it makes it so much easier to focus outwardly. And that's something that we never want to do here at Epic is get so inwardly focused that we don't see what God is trying to do within our community and within the lives of the people that we know. Instead, we want to focus outwardly, okay? There are 100, almost 100,000 people here in Palm Coast that you know, that we know, and together they need to know about Jesus. And so the reason that we're a church for people who don't do church is we want to make a place for you to be able to bring your family members, to be able to bring your friends, to be able to bring your coworkers, to be able to bring your neighbors, and for them to be able to check out God at their own pace and to be able to make a decision for themselves. That's why we exist. That's what we don't want to get off track from doing. That's what we feel like God has called us to do. And that's what we are doing. And it's amazing to watch him do when we've just let go and we lay down our lives and we say, God, use us how you want us to use us. Now, here's the cool thing. You know, how do we get in the game? How do we do this thing? How do we do it together? And it, it, that's, the, that's the key. 
The key is that we do this thing together. So if each one of us, if we would start to pray for the people that we would know, we will begin to see the needs that are in the lives. And when we know their people's needs, we will be able to start to meet them. And when we know their needs, we can begin to build a relationship with people. And when we build a relationship with people, then we can invite them. We can invite them into a spiritual conversation. We can invite them to church and to be able to share what we know, that Christ laid down his life for us and he laid down his life for them as well because everyone, everyone, everyone is invited. And so would you join God? Would you join God in doing that? Would we stop being inwardly focused and would we start to become outwardly focus instead. And so what we want to do is simply uh, do this together. Are there three people that you can start praying for? Is it a friend? Is it a neighbor? Is it a coworker? Is it somebody that you know? Would you start to pray for them? Would you start to build a relationship with them? Would you make it instead of an acquaintance? Would you make that relationship and treat them as if they were family? And get to that point in your relationship with them. And be able at some point to be able to invite them to church or invite them into a spiritual conversation. And so that's what we want to do together. And so to make that easier, what we've done is we've put a card on your seat. Okay? And this card is just simply kind of a summary. It says, would you have an outward focus? Pray, invest, and invite. And earlier we did this uh, a little bit differently. We gave you a card to be praying for three people this year in 2013. But who are your three people? Think about it. Right now, who are the three people that are coming to your mind? All right? And if you have a pen, start to write those people down. Start to put it down. And those are people that you need to continue to pray for, continue to invest in, and then eventually invite, invite into a conversation or invite to church as well. And could you imagine what would happen if we did that together? Could you imagine what would happen if we see Palm Coast as Paul saw the Jewish people? If we would all of a sudden take them on and say, oh my goodness, God, you've put us around here. There are tons of people around here that we know, and we know some really good news, and that should drive us. And God doesn't like hold that over our heads. He gives us a life to live freely. But since he gave his life so freely, why wouldn't we want to give our life freely back to him as well and let other people know the good news? And so would you join with God in seeing lives changed right here, right around us, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, our family members as well. So let's pray together. Father, we just thank you so much for who you are. God, you are so good to us. Thank you so much for showing us that the law could never make us right. We can never follow that perfect. But instead, you exchange your life for us. It costs you everything. And so thank you so much for doing that. Thank you for something that we could have never done. And thank you that we know that we have a right standing with you and that it is never in question because it's not based upon a rule. And so God, would you help us to be able to share that with other people? Would you help us to bring to mind the people that you would have us to share that with? And would we build relationships with them as if they were family? And so Lord, we love you. And we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.
You guys can go ahead and have a seat. If that doesn't wake you up, I don't know what will today. That was awesome. Thank you, guys. My name's Cody, and before we dive into Rome and say, I have a few announcements for you. Uh, as everybody knows, this Thursday is the 4th of July, and Surge, yes, I heard a little screaming there, day off, woohoo! <laughs> That's right. Um, and so it's, we're going to be participating in the flow as epic as Surge in the parade on the 4th of July down in Flagler Beach. So um, as you've heard, the past couple of weeks, we've been getting candy donations in. And if you have those, you can drop them off over by the door. We have a little table set up for you to do that. And I just want to say thank you, um, not only for the candy that you guys donated, um, but also for everything you guys do. Um, whatever challenge that we throw at you, um, whether it be donating time over at Grace Food Pantry, donated candy, um, or anything like that, you guys just go way above and beyond what we ask you. So just thank you very much for doing that. Definitely give yourself a round of applause. And if you call Epic your home um, and you would like to give towards our ministry here, there's two ways that you can do that. You can give online at theepicchurch.com or you can give in the giving boxes right behind you uh, on the tables back there. And if you're new to Epic, I just ask that you just sit back and enjoy the service. This is a free gift to you. And on your way out, just stop by the Connection Center over in the corner. We have a little pamphlet for you that has a little information about what Epic is all about. So thank you for joining us, and check out out this video.